Welcome back to Mox Madness. Yeah. You are going back to switching up your uh, you know what? You know what? It's a lot. It's a long session here, guys. Yeah. It's a long session. We got to keep it mixed up. Got to keep it fresh. <laughs> La- hopping. Last time on Reconstruction. Oh God. <laughs> There was some shit happened. Linko <laughs> got hit with canes. Linko got one between the eyes. Uh, and uh, where we last left off, they uh, Congress had uh, told the Confederacy, "Hey, you're not allowed to vote for a while because you kind of did an insurgency, you jackasses." Right. And we're going to do a little bit of a military occupation of the South. Turns out, seditions against the law. It's I may they may have done some light treason. Light treason. Just All right. Arrested development aged poorly. It was still funny at the time. I stand by it. Um, With the power to vote, freedmen started participating in politics. Oh, funny. While many slaves were illiterate, educated blacks, including escaped slaves, moved down from the north to aid them. And natural leaders stepped forward. They elected white and black men to represent them in constitutional conventions. A Republican coalition of freedmen, Southerners supportive of the Union, derisively called Scalawags by the white Democrats. Again, the best derisive name you could give anybody. Yes. I would take that derisive name any day of the week. Uh, uh, And Northerners who had migrated to the South, derisively called carpetbaggers, some of whom were just returning natives, but were mostly Union veterans, organized to create constitutional conventions. So you can also see this. You can see you can imagine the kind of opportunists that would have sprouted up. Imagine you grew up. This is less than 100 years since the founding. Everyone now that has watched West Wing gets the opportunity. It's like, hey, if you go down to Georgia, you can pretend that you're Thomas Jefferson and do some constitutioning. (laughs) It'll be really fun. Go for it. You see, you can imagine there's this influx of, of people that have no business down there, have no idea what the South is like or what their material conditions or anything like that. They're just like they're going to they're going to LARP some West Wing. That's right. Constitutional so, pilgrims. Constitutional pilgrims. Oh dear God. That's oh no. I'm just imagining pilgrims, but the hats are just made out of the Constitution, which I'm fairly certain is a look that the Tea Party has tried at least one time. At least one time. Um They created new state constitutions to set new directions for southern states. Congress had to consider how to restore full status and representation within the Union, those southern states that had declared independence and withdrawn their representation. Suffrage for former Confederates was one of two main concerns. A decision needed to be made whether to just allow some or all former Confederates to vote and hold office. So can you basically make a blacklist of people that, nope, nope, you cannot vote. Bye. Gone. Sorry. Uh, The moderates in Congress wanted virtually all of them to vote, but the radicals resisted. Once again, radicals? Yeah. Good call. Good. good. They repeatedly imposed the ironclad oath, which would effectively have allowed no former Confederates to vote. Historian Harry Heyman said that in 1866, congressmen described the oath as the last bulwark against the return of ex-rebels to power. The barrier behind which Southern Unionists and Negroes protected themselves. Radical Republican leader Thaddeus Stevens proposed unsuccessfully that all former Confederates lose the right to vote for five years. That seems like a pretty reasonable expectation. Yeah, yeah, no, Thaddeus, Thaddeus seems like no no good American politician, but Thaddeus, Thaddeus is the first one forgiven. Get on it, Thaddeus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, we if you get convicted of a felony in this country, you can never vote. But apparently if you do some minor insurgent action, five years. Yeah, no, five And years. that's considered too harsh. Yeah. No big deal. Uh... <laughs> 
just never gets, it just really never gets old. The compromise that was reached disenfranchised many Confederate civil and military leaders. Good. No one knows how many temporarily lost the vote, but one estimate placed it as high as, again, the ten to 15,000 we talked about sure. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Radical politicians took up the task at the state level. In Tennessee alone, over 80,000 former Confederates were disenfranchised. Again, very few times I'm okay with disenfranchising people. Go it for makes it. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second and closely related was the issue of whether the four million freedmen were to be received as citizens. Uh, that one seems a lot more cut and dry. They are they are citizens. They yeah. are free. What are the fuck is what are the fuck yeah, is the why, debate? Why are you yeah? Uh because of course they don't want them to vote. Would they be able to vote if they were if they were to be fully counted as citizens, some sort of representation for appointment of seats in Congress had to be determined. Census seems reasonable. Before the war, the population of slaves had been counted as three fifths. We know that of a corresponding number of free whites. By having four million freedmen counted as full citizens, the South would gain additional seats in Congress. Oh no. If blacks were denied the vote and the right to hold office, then only whites would represent them. Seems like a pretty cut and dry case at this time, guys. Many conservatives, including most white Southerners, Northern Democrats, and some Northern Republicans opposed black voting. Good look, team. Some northern states that had referendums on the subject limited the ability of their own small populations of blacks to vote. Lincoln... Everyone's favorite. Yeah. Had supported a middle position, a third way, if you will, because of course he fucking did (laughs) to allow some black men to vote, especially U.S. Army veterans, because, again, veteran privilege is alive and well. That's right. Always been a thing. Always been a thing. Way more now, but it's always been a thing. Always been a thing. Johnson also believed that such service should be rewarded with citizenship. Why being a slave under that system shouldn't be rewarded with citizenships beyond me, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> you only feed everyone and clothe yeah. everyone, but yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 shoot the guns. So again, everyone's favorite, uh, everyone's favorite, very progressive, very uh, good, not awful human being, Abraham Lincoln, proposed giving the right to vote to quote the very intelligent and especially those who fought gallantly in our ranks. Lincoln about to bust out them calipers. <laughs> Let's go, team. In 1864, Governor Johnson said the better class of them will go to work and sustain themselves, and that class ought to be allowed to vote on the ground that a loyal Negro is more worthy than a disloyal white man. Hey, guys, if you ever thought it had anything to do with things that weren't class, (laughs) uh, oh, my God, they just care about they, they just care about one thing. Yeah. And it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, you get some just some token black people up here. You get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them, yeah, they can suffer whatever. Yes, but yes. We got the, get, get the good ones up here. A loyal Negro is more worthy than a disloyal white man. <laughs> okay, uh, as president, in 1860- don't even float the disloyal Negro. As much, oh, no. they don't. Ex- they're not How in dare conversation. You? How dare you? Yes. <laughs> as president in 1865, Johnson Johnson wrote to the man he appointed as governor of Mississippi, a notoriously great place. Recommending if you could extend the elective franchise to all persons of color who can read the Constitution in English and write their names and to all persons of color who own real estate at least valued valued at least at two hundred and fifty dollars and pay the taxes thereon, you would completely disarm the adversary radicals in Congress and set an example that other states will follow. So, again, one of those I do love how the uh, under Johnson's construction. Yes, you could be illiterate. Mm-hmm. And not able to write your name. Yes. But own a house and you can vote. Yeah, absolutely. And then literacy for voting seems seems like, okay, that makes sense. But no, obviously that's a class issue. Yeah, there. no. The problem is, is we know that poll, you know, that like 
literacy tests and all of that yeah. kind of bullshit are, are wildly, wildly classist and yeah, uh, and wildly, especially at this time, racist. Oh, and, incredible! Yeah. And well, and now, I mean, in, in this time and any time, they're yeah. they're always going to be inherently racist. It's yeah. it's a it's fucking garbage. And again, if they are citizens, they have the right to vote. Whether or not you educate them is your problem. That yeah. is that is that is not. Yeah, one thing people need to always remember because this is something we we talk about. We talk about like official U.S. baddies and stuff, whether they're democracy, 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 democracy. Oh man, I think we're about to talk about the exact same thing, and I love it when that happens. Go uh, is is you can't really define a democracy without defining the demos, right? And demos is who gets to vote, who's in in the pen, and who's out of the pen, right? And if you're if you're not in the walls of the demos, you just don't exist. It's it the the form of government has nothing to do with you. You yeah. don't get to define anything. It's why at this time that we're talking about where they're debating whether or not these people are allowed to exist as a vote. Yep. If you go to that fun Vox, how democratic is a country list, uh-huh. it shows at this time America, 10 out of 10. Yes. Perfect democracy. Yes. And we're talking about obviously like uh, no, I mean we 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 don't know if they should be allowed to vote. I mean that'd be crazy. Right, right, right. That's that's not a thing, you know. But uh, it'll put Venezuela at five out of ten, even though it's, it's fuck world off. renowned for good elections. Um, it's <laughs> um yeah, so it's fun. Uh, Charles Sumner and Thaddeus Stevens, again, our dynamic duo of the episode, uh, leaders of the radical Republicans were initially hesitant to enfranchise the largely illiterate Freeman. And now they've become our enemies. Yep. Thank you. You lasted a whole episode and a half of being the good guys. Yeah. Sumner preferred at first impartial requirements that would have imposed literacy restrictions on blacks and whites. Sure. Those would be impartial. (laughs) There'd be no bias there at all. (laughs) Nothing. He believed that he would not succeed in passing legislation to disenfranchise illiterate whites who already had the vote. That makes sense. In the South, many poor whites were illiterate as there were almost there was almost no public education before the war. In 1880, for example, the white literacy rate was about 25 percent in Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, South Carolina and Georgia and as high as 33 percent in North Carolina. Good God. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. This compares with the 9% national rate and a black rate of illiteracy uh, that was over 70% in the South, Mm -hmm. Um, which is really weird to me. Uh, So, yeah, 33% illiterate. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so 70% literate. This all, that's coming together. Numbers are stupid. I hate them. By 1900, however, with emphasis within the black community on education, hmm, hmm, uh, the majority of blacks had achieved literacy. Sumner soon concluded there was no substantial protection for the freedmen except in the franchise, so for the right to vote. This was necessary, he stated, for his own protection, for the protection of the white unionist, and for the peace of the country. For his own protection, he means the freedmen. Okay. We put the musket in his hands because it was necessary. For the same reason, we must give him the vote. The support for voting rights was a compromise between moderate and radical Republicans, which always is great. The Republicans (laughs) believed that the best way for men to get political experience was to be able to vote and participate in the political system. Okay. They passed laws allowing all male freedmen to vote. In 1867, black men voted for the first time. Over the course of Reconstruction, more than 1,500 African Americans held public office in the South. Some of them were men who had escaped to the North and gained education and then returned. They did not hold office in numbers representative of their proportion in the population, however, but often elected whites to represent them. The question of women's suffrage was also debated, but then flatly rejected. (laughs) Because, come on now. Never mind that half of the black people are women. Yeah, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Women eventually gained the right to vote with the 19th Amendment in 1920. From 1890 to 1908, Southern states passed new state constitutions and laws that disenfranchised 
most blacks and tens of thousands of poor whites with new voter registration and electoral rules. When establishing new requirements, such as subjectively administered literacy tests in some states, they used grandfather clauses to enable illiterate whites to vote. And if you don't know what a grandfather clause is, it basically says your if your grandfather, grandfather could vote, you could vote. Doesn't oh. matter what the requirements are. And we all know that that's a super smart way to determine whether someone is competent enough to do something or deserves to do something is whether your granddad could do a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yippee. I'm I'm going to, I, I was alluding to it now, uh, but I'm going to just make an assumption that this is where the expression grandfathered in probably comes from. Oh, 100%. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is where it comes from. It's, yeah. it's not good. Yeah. Probably don't use that phrase if you can avoid it. It has it has some it has some nasty back backward connotations. Um, we then get into matters of how Lincoln wanted to do Reconstruction. Oh boy! And for the most part, it was a bunch of middle of the road, slow, steady progress bullshit that you would expect from a massive centrist like Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I was, however, interested in a couple of his proposals because uh, you know you have this liberal myth constantly getting preached that Lincoln had this like brilliant plan for Reconstruction, and if you and, and just getting him murked is the only thing that screwed it up. Like if we hadn't if we hadn't taken out Linko, everything would have been okay. We'd have been able to get through it. Um, so, guys, this is the part where we take a fun deviation into what Nathan calls the Lincoln the Lincoln monologues. Oh boy. Um, oh man. <laughs> Uh, In 1862, Lincoln met with African-American leaders and urged them, I want to emphasize this, urged them to colonize some places in Central America. Lincoln planned to free the Southern slaves in the Emancipation Proclamation, but he was concerned that freemen wouldn't be treated well in the United States. By both whites in the North and South. And you and me talked about before, too. I've, I've heard something like this from Grant, too, kind of coming later, where he tried to do this. Although Lincoln, well, I'm sure because I'm sure Lincoln had it scribbled down on the desk somewhere. And, <laughs> and Grant had a drunken eat. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Give me some more hooch. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, although... Although Lincoln gave assurances that the United States government would support and protect any colonies established by former slaves, I'm sure every slave, I'm sure yeah. all of the of the African American leaders at that point are looking, just looking around at the Native Americans in the room, going, mm, "Yeah, I'm sure those assurances are going to hold up fine. <laughs> no bit, nothing to worry about here." Um, the leaders declined to go colonize another uh, country in order to get their independence because um, they're not they're not idiots. Yeah. Uh, they they have some sort of semblance of, of pride. Sure. Uh, many free blacks have been opposed to the colonization colonization plans in the past because they wanted to remain in the United States. Weird, hmm. weird that that's the place that they should just be able to exist in a place. Uh, President Lincoln persisted in his colonization plan in the belief that emancipation and colonization were both part of the same program. He literally thought that hand in hand with the Emancipation Proclamation was. And the blacks go take Panama. Like that was that was in that was writ large in the emanci- like he might have included like it was in the liner notes of Emancipation Proclamation. Like all men freed four score seven years ago. By the way, uh, head towards Honduras. Um, <laughs> like, I don't fucking this this is the grand strategy that fucking deluded ass liberals think is was going to save Reconstruction. This is the masterstroke, yeah, guys. Yeah. By April 1863, Lincoln was successful. Again, I need you to understand the the, the, the term here. Successful in sending black colonists to Haiti, as well as 453 to Chiriki in Central America. 
However, none of the colonies were able to remain self-sufficient, probably because you can't just send 500 people to fucking a place and say, go live here. It doesn't work that way. It's not how that works. If you want reference to that, go look up Gregor McGregor and the Mosquito Islands. Oh, it, does, God. it doesn't work. He probably for, sent them to the Mosquito Islands. I mean, they might as well have. That was really... It's just... It's such a fucking... <laughs> And it's just such a fucking liberal. Oh yes, no, we 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 believe you should be free, but just not here or like in a place where I can see you, uh, because they're gonna like ugh, just the white people are not gonna be cool about it, and we really just it'd be way better if you just left and went somewhere else. Um, it's so fucking dumb. However, none of the colonies were being self-sufficient. Frederick Douglass, a prominent 19th century American civil rights activist, criticized Lincoln by stating yep. that he was showing all his inconsistencies, his pride of race and blood, his contempt for Negroes, and his canting hypocrisy. Yes. Yeah, Frederick, you were on. Yeah, yeah dead on Frederick. That. Yes. African Americans, according to Frederick Douglass, wanted citizenship and civil rights rather than colonies. Yes. Because, yes, good. Yes. Historians are unsure if Lincoln gave up on the idea of African-American colonization by the end of 1863 or if he actually planned to continue the policy until he was assassinated. The world will never know. That's the alternate <laughs> history I would like to see because then we can recognize Lincoln for the idiot he is. <laughs> Moving on to another thing that we've alluded to uh, in, in Lincoln's fun campaign of idiocy. Oh, boy. The Louisiana 10% electorate oh, plan. Oh, yeah. Guys. Guys, guys, guys. Here it is. President Abraham Lincoln was concerned about affecting a speedy restoration of the Confederate states to the Union after the war. He wanted it over. He, him and Johnson are the same thing. Like, man, we got a deadline. We got to hit this. Go, go, go. Uh, Lincoln proposed a moderate plan for the reconstruction of the captured Confederate state of Louisiana. The government granted amnesty to rebels who took an oath of loyalty to the Union. I mean, seems a little bit on the weak side because, I mean, what else were their options? Sure, but sure. sure. Um, Black freedmen workers were tied to labor on plantations for one year of pay at a rate of $10 a month. Cool. Very cool. Yes, you're free, but you have to work here for slavery wages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you know, cool. you know yeah, wage slavery. And here's the fun part. That, that loyalty oath, only 10% of the state's electorate had to take the loyalty oath in order for the state to be readmitted to the U.S. Congress. 10%. Nine out of 10 people could line up at the polls and say, no, I will murder every black person I see. I will shoot you, Lincoln, directly if I have the opportunity. Fuck you, yeehaw, Dixie. Let's go Tar Heels. Um, And one guy could be like, no, man, we chill. No, we're chill. It's good. It's good, Lincoln. No, we're we're totally good, man. No, no, ignore them. Ignore the nine guys in clan hoods that absolutely yeah. say fuck you. I, Steve Louisiana, are cool. <laughs> and Lincoln's like, let them all in. Yeah, that's right. And and while letting them all in, Steve Louisiana, you get slaves for a year. You you get <laughs> yes, yes. All, no, all of you get slaves for a year, oh, including yeah. the hooded clansmen. You're yeah. all in because Steve vouched for you. Yeah. It's it's okay. you all get into the house party. Um and, Steve and, did the secret handshake. And and ten percent. Ten ten percent. Ten percent. Yes. How? In what universe? I, that is such a sweep it under the fuck it, it's good enough. Like that is that is like he started it at like 60%, and then the polls were coming back, and he's like, fuck. And he's like, all right, all right, we'll get it down to like. 50-50. 50-51% were good. Polls came back. Fuck. 
Okay, how many how many people are doing 10 per, 10%. We're calling it 10%, guys. 10%. That's the rule. We mm-hmm, no, that's good. It's a good number. It's a solid number. 10. And this is the least surprising thing ever cuz I don't I don't think it's ever super useful to like say like spot in America is, you know, more or less racist than other spot in America, especially as, as someone who lives in the St. Louis oh, region. Oh, yeah, no. And yeah, we have we like de- we definitely we have don't get the to make ultimate that call. murder cops, the ultimate murder oh, cops in yeah. St. Louis, and we talked about the St. Louis right. But if there is a place where racism seems more prominent at least than any anywhere else in the United States, it's Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, they all... Oh, no, no. I mean, like, Baton Rouge police brutality is is infamous. You have You have everything that happened with Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. You have the fact that Louisiana State House was... I think think they still do. If not, they're the last ones to drop uh, the prison labor uh, slavery workers in the State House. That may be Mississippi, though. We we were we learned. Um, I think the last one is still the one that is uh doing indentured servitude. Oh yeah, yeah they're yeah. doing the fun thing where you still have to stay in jail and work a minimum wage job at like Church's Chicken in order to pay off your fines before you're allowed to actually be free. That's fun. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Well, Mississippi's, Mississippi's got a hell of a lot more going on than that. Yeah, that, yeah, so. yeah. Hey, Jack, how's it going? <laughs> um, yeah. So I. Oh God. So, in addition to getting one in ten people to vote not to do a whole insurgency again, the state was required to abolish slavery. Oh, it kind of seems like the bare minimum because we just fought a war that said you had to do that, you assholes. The Good compro- God. What the compromises is the, you have to do what is the, already obligated is, to do. This is the and def- we give you a bunch of shit. This is the definition of comp- of like bullshit compromises because yep. it is it is all right. So we just fought a war because yep. you want to do the one thing. Uh, you lost, so let's go to the compromising table. All right, you have to do the one thing. We don't want to. Um, all right, uh, do any of you want to? Steve in the back. I kind of do. Okay, uh, so Steve does. Does anybody else? No? (sighs) All right, do you super swear you're not going to try this again? Just Steve? Just Steve again. Okay, um... Fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm out. I'm out of time. I'm gone. Bye. Out. Yeah. Bye. Done. That plan, that same plan, identical reconstruction plans, would be adopted in Arkansas and Tennessee. Guys, I have family in Arkansas. I've been to Arkansas a lot. This is explaining a lot about the state of Arkansas because they still fucking call it the War of Northern Aggression and nine of them could do that and they still got let back in. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm just so mad. By 1864, the Lincoln Plan of Reconstruction had been enacted in Louisiana, and the legislature sent two senators and five representatives to take their seats in Washington. However, Congress refused to count any of the votes from Louisiana. Again, thank you, Sumner and the gang. Uh, Arkansas and Tennessee, in essence, rejecting Lincoln's moderate reconstruction plan. So basically, they when they would like go to count... Votes. Yeah. It's like we're voting. It's like fuck no. no one, one, take the hoods off, you psychopaths, and two, no, you're not. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Congress at the time, controlled by the radicals, proposed the Wade Davis bill um, that uh, Johnson famously yeah. uh, vetoed, which set off the whole uh, 
impeachment shit. Yeah. That required a majority of state electorates to take the oath to be admitted to Congress. Weird. Weird that you should go with like just a basic majority before you go with it. Right. I mean, it really should be all. Like, that's the, it all. And it anyone you be, don't is expunged. I, I genuinely think, like, some... I thought it was like someone had to get the 10% rule wrong. Like... When Lincoln said 10%, it's like he must have meant 10% can say no, not not the other way around, right? Like yeah. it can't be like 90% should be a threshold of I promise not to do a civil war before I get voting rights back. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just a, it's good god. And now and now the radical one is 50% is yeah, majority. Yeah. That's that oh no, it's a step too far, my friends. Yes. Um Lincoln pocket vetoed the bill. Uh, which is when you just let it sit on your desk too long and then time takes over because the American fucking just government system's a fucking mess. Uh, and the rift it's widened. The coward's veto is what it, I mean, that, exactly. The passive aggressive veto is what it should be called. The, oh, it got swept under the other ones. I forgot about it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Whoopsie. Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> <sighs> uh, the, it widened the rift between moderates who wanted to save the union and win the war. that's a loaded sentence and radicals who wanted to affect a more complete change within Southern society. Yeah. That's a very loaded sentence there. Um, Yeah. Who wrote that? Yeah. Wrote that. Like it wasn't me. I know. I know you're just reading that, but whoever wrote that sentence definitely uses the term war of aggression. You could absolutely say there was a rift between them, between the sensible adults in the room and the children who were crying for equality and rights. I'm wondering what, like this is West Wing civil war. Aaron Sorkin wrote that last sentence. Aaron Sorkin wrote that last fucking sentence is what happened. That fucking dickhole. Uh, Frederick Douglass denounced Lincoln's 10% plan. Again, Douglass coming in with uh, denouncing all of the the stupid shit uh, as undemocratic since state admission and loyalty only depended on a minority vote. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Lincoln continued to advocate his Louisiana plan as a model for all states up until his assassination. So again, everyone who said, well, Lincoln would have made sure Reconstruction worked fine. Uh Uh-huh. Sure he would have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The plan successfully started the reconstruction process of ratifying the 13th Amendment in all states. Lincoln is typically portrayed as taking moderate positions when fighting the radical positions. There's considerable debate on how well Lincoln had, he lived, would have handled Congress during the reconstruction period. Spoiler alert, based on everything we've uh, seen up to this point, he would have done it very poorly. Yeah, he did real bad. Real bad. One historical camp argues Lincoln's flexibility, pragmatism, and superior political skills of Congress would have solved reconstruction with far less difficulty. That's Aaron Sorkin's camp. That's Aaron Sorkin. Um, and they're they are they they just replace that with Pete Buttigieg or something like That's that. Right, yeah. It's the same thing. Um, the other camp, the right camp, this correct camp, believes that the radicals would have attempted to impeach Lincoln just as they did the successor Andrew Johnson in 1868. And that is the travesty of justice that we didn't get Abraham Lincoln impeached. <laughs> because holy shit, what a flip of the table. He turned that into a be. martyr instead of... You went from seriously, you want to talk about martyrdom, holy shit, you go from having a holiday to impeachment in like one swing of the bat like That's no right. he went from went from impeached dumbass to the five dollar bill just <laughs> like that <laughs> he got logs named after him he got a fun building set named after him that jackass no one's making andrew johnson logs those are those are 
<laughs> you. On March 3rd, 1865, the Freedmen's Bureau bill became law, sponsored by the Republicans to aid freedmen and white refugees. A federal bureau was created to provide food, clothing, fuel, and advice on negotiating labor contracts. That sounds good. Yeah. So how'd they fuck it up? It attempted to oversee new relations between freedmen and their former masters in a free labor market. Oh, there's how you fucked it up. There you go. I found it. The act, without deference to a person's color, authorized the bureau to lease confiscated land for a period of three years and to sell it in portions of up to 40 acres per buyer. So basically we saw we take all the plantation land and sell it out in, in ways that are blind to color. It doesn't matter if you're black, you know. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the bureau was to expire one year after the termination of the war. Plenty of time. Plenty yes. of time to get things done. One year after a major earth-shattering event. Lincoln was assassinated before he commit, could appoint a commissioner of the Bureau, and I'm sure he would have picked a great one. A popular myth was that the act offered 40 acres and a mule, or that slaves had been promised this. Uh, so this is like a yeah, 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 whatever. I've heard the term 40 acres and a mule. Everyone's yeah. heard the term 40 yeah. acres and a mule. Um, it's, a, it's a wild thing. This is, uh, apparently that is no. That's not what was offered. They didn't offer them anything close to that much. That was the amount that they could sell them, but they were going to sell it on a free quote unquote labor market and it was going to be irregardless of color and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. It's fucking, it's, it's it's just another fun lie about Abraham Lincoln and his his fun benevolency. Yeah. Uh, with the help of the Bureau, the recently freed slaves began voting. Oh, Aghast, forming political parties and assuming the control of labor in many areas. The Bureau helped to start a change of power in the South that drew national attention from the Republicans in the North to the conservative Democrats in the South. This is especially evident in the election between Grant and Seymour. Johnson did not get the Democratic nomination. Weird. Funny that the impeached guy didn't go back up for re-election. Be weird if you impeached someone and then put them up for Mm re-election. Hmm. Uh huh. Where almost seven hundred thousand black voters uh, voted and swayed the election, three hundred thousand votes in Grant's favor. Look at that. Yeah. People voting makes a difference sometimes. Turns out, yeah, sometimes we don't like electoralism. <laughs> it, this is it a, was, it's a confu- it's a confusing time, guys. Just it roll was, with it, this was after the Civil War, though. I mean, yeah. Like if we if we have another civil war and and we're electing between you know more radical communists and left radical communists, we want the election to matter. Ah, touche. Um, I do love how the announcer that Ulysses S. Grant is the more radical. Communist. I know, but it just, <laughs> I get it. Even with the benefits that it gave to freedmen, the Freedmen's Bureau was unable to operate effectively in certain areas. Uh, terrorizing freedmen for trying to vote, hold a political office, or own land, the Ku Klux Klan was the nemesis of the Freedmen's Bureau, and I yeah. just love that. Man, what the penguin see man we're gonna rustle up your stuff no you're a fucking terrorist organization yeah fuck off um northern anger over the assassination of lincoln and the immense human cost of the war led to demands for punitive policies uh we all learned from versailles (laughs) vice president andrew johnson had taken a hard line and spoke of hanging confederates all right johnson i like it i like it uh but when he succeeded lincoln as president johnson took a much softer position pardoning many confederate leaders and former confederates hey guys Mm, so you're saying he aoc'd the civil war yeah what i'm saying is what they say before they have power is meaningless yeah stop it Stop believing them. Uh, Former president, uh, former Confederate president, Jefferson Davis, was held in prison for two years. Two years. Two years. You start a civil war and you got less than possession. Like, the fuck? Um, But most Confederate leaders were not. 
There were no trials on charges of treason. Only one person, Captain Henry Wurz, the com- commandant of the prison camp in Andersonville, Georgia, was executed for war crimes. Now, Which, I mean, yeah. Andersonville is... But the problem is, is everyone at Andersonville should have been tr- killed yeah, for war no, crimes. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're... If, if you are, like, along with, of course, Pogram, Pogrom's one of the two influences to, you know, Nazi concentration camps, uh, yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're doing some war crimes. But they took the one... They took basically the superintendent of Andersonville is the only person that got executed for yeah, war crimes. Yeah, for people who don't know about Andersonville, there was a very overcrowded oh, prisoner God. of war prison where people were not really fed, and uh, if you got too close to the fence, they shot you. Yeah. Not not with a warning like, hey, get away from the fence or we will shoot. No, they just just like you, they just saw someone too close to the fence and shot him and hoped that after a while people got the idea. I mean- And people died of things like scurvy because they had no fucking food. It was a horrible, horrible I mean, place. there was like open air latrine. I mean, it was just yeah, like it was rivers of human filth Disgusting. Uh, and place. somehow Boston Corbett survived. <laughs> yes. Now somehow how Boston somehow Corbett that survived. the ballless wonder Boston Corbett <laughs> just wandered on through. Um Andrew Johnson's conservative view of Reconstruction did not include the involvement of blacks or former slaves in government, and he refused to heed Northern concerns when Southern legislatures implemented black codes that set the statutes of freedmen much lower than that of citizens. Because it's not like we just fought a fucking war over whether or not these people were able to be slaves or not. So what? Yeah. The, what why would you fucking try and address that issue? It's it's it's, it's almost like the end of the war. Just uh, yeah, no, nothing. I, it, what was forgot the, the war existed. What was the whole point? Well, it was for states' rights. Well, the one right was whether or not they got to be slaves or not and you're not deciding that yeah issue. yeah and regardless your little states right also assholes lost also so, yeah. you're gonna free them how do you how what lodge what mental gymnastics do you do that free a person make them a free citizen but then say they don't have like voting rights or status in your like i get i get yeah, fine. We all agree that people committing felonies should be able to vote. That should that's unequivocal. But yep. you can at least see like I can I can do an A plus Z minus B and get to that equation. I can't do it in this one. This is just it's pure racist. It's pure yeah. white supremacy and and racism and and a desire to hold on to power. It's fucking Yeah, I mean, well, we talk about it before. How often again, you know, I don't want to make everything about imperialism. We're talking about in our country now, well, our black indigenous history. Let's make everything but, about imperialism. But, <laughs> but I mean, we talk about it now. You know, you go and you free the country, free the country by like kicking out their democratic leaders and, and cooing in your leaders and deciding who's valid to vote and who's going to run. And, you know, I mean, the thing we're worried about now is USAID going into Bolivia and and how they're going to fuck up the elections to try to keep Moss out of power. And Moss has built a, a pretty powerful coalition. You know, I mean, this is... Which we talked about on the current events episode. Yeah, we talked about the current events. I mean, so, you know, this is the kind of shit they, they do, you know. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's America's par for the course. It is, it is in our DNA. Apple pie, suppressing voter rights. Mm-hmm. Historians generally agree, which probably means it's wrong that president andrew johnson was an inept politician who lost all his advantages by unskilled maneuvering okay yeah they might be right yeah there. i was gonna no, say they, they got, they, i think they're right on that they one. got it they got you know what everyone's a blind squirrel finds a nut clock broken clock something like that he broke with congress in early 1866 and then came defiant and tried to block the enforcement of reconstruction laws passed by congress um yeah cool um he was in constant conflict constitutionally you guys made me a nazi yeah, i mean really it feels like that. it's I'm trying not to be racist, but it's so hard when the radical uh, radical Republicans are yelling at you all day. <laughs> oh, God. 
Um, he was in constant conflict constitutionally with the radicals in Congress over the status of freedmen and whites in the defeated South, which basically meant they wanted them to be equal. And yeah. he said, no, white people are better. Uh, although res- resigned to the abolition of slavery, such a weird fucking sentence. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, I guess we got to get rid of it. <laughs> I, I was only the leader of the side that was fighting that war. Although resigned to the abolition of slavery, many former Confederates were unwilling to accept both social changes and political domination by former slaves. That's a fun choice of words again. In the words of Benjamin Franklin Perry... Oh, his, his parents really wanted him to be a American historian. President Johnson's choice as the provisional governor of South Carolina. First, the Negro is to be invested with all political power. Then the antagonism of interest between capital and labor is to work out the result. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nathan, we might we might be a podcast to address that sentence. Um I mean, other than the first, the Negro is invested with all political power. Uh, yeah, but and then the antagonism of interest between capital and labor is to work out the result. Whole, what? Why was who's quoting? I mean, I just imagine Johnson quoting Marx, and it's really, really, it's really weird. It's, it, he just opens Marx, reads a few chapters, like, yeah, I fucking love this capitalism stuff. I shut the book, use all the words from it. Yeah, yeah, Spectre haunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. However, the fears of the mostly conservative planter elite and other leading white citizens were partly assuaged by the actions of President Johnson, who ensured that a wholesale land de- redistribution from planters to freedmen did not occur. Guys, we had a shot at redistribution, and we yes. fucked it up. Yes. And to be clear, Lincoln would have fucked it up, too. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I mean, if you actually had, this would be an entirely different country if if the full redistribution had happened. Yes, if the black belt had been redistributed in the way it yeah. should have been equitably towards, you know, the proportional representation. It would be a radically different country than today. And we would still have the issue of, of obviously, you know, the colonization against indigenous people and, and the fact that we were rooted in, you know, settler colonialism. Yeah. But it, the, you know, the way it would have morphed is it, very, very different than what it is today. All right, you know what? I'm gonna here's here's a controversial take. Hey guys, this is Nathan's controversial take voice. Just oh my in case. goodness! No, I'm joking. Um, no, <laughs> honestly, if you want a more a better way for Lincoln to do his uh, his go invade Ecuador and rule that plan. You should have let the white people go invade Ecuador because one, southern white people love them some imperialism. Uh, they would have been just fine going and colonizing a new group of slaves somewhere else. And then um, uh, black people could have had the South as they justifiably should have had as reparations for fucking slavery. Yeah. I think that's a better plan. Yeah. I sorry, don't think Honduras. Equ- I, I was going to say, I don't think Ecuadorians, you know, deserve that. Guatemala? I'm sorry. Yeah, you, no, I, I get it. We've nobody. done some shit, but this is just how... I'm just saying one of those two plans had a chance of success, and Lincoln picked the one that was going to fail. I, he's a bad politician. He's a bad person. His hat's stupid. <laughs> done. <laughs> Fucking Lincoln. Um... So, and Southern governments quickly enacted the restrictive black codes. However, they were abolished in 1866 and seldom had an effect because the Freedmen's Bureau, not local courts, handled the legal affairs of freedmen. The black codes indicated the plans of the Southern white farmers for former slaves. The freedmen would have had more rights than did free blacks before the war, but they would still only have a limited set of second-class civil rights. No voting rights, 
no citizenship. They would not own. They could not own firearms, serve on a jury in a lawsuit involving whites, or move w- about without employment. So they would have had no power. Is what so they would have. So let's been, see, no guns and no voting, no jury. We yeah. literally just mirrored the black codes and just made them penal codes. It's kind of like we did slavery again. Like all the stuff yeah. we wanted to do in the black codes. Yeah, we did do with the criminal justice system in this country. Yeah. Like, it, it's absolutely the same thing. Like we, that is, that's the new slavery. We've said it. It's a hundred percent the new slavery because it puts the exact same set of civil restrictions on you too. Once you even get out of that system, it yeah. Is and I, and it would be clear too. I mean, like prison labor is is slave labor. It is full and, and slavery sh- and should be you know opposed in any capitalistic sense. Even if I think labor can be rehabilitated for people that actually don't labor can be rehabilitated when you eliminate the base that is yeah. capitalism. Under a socialist, the gulags yeah. could be seen as rehabilitated because they were not operating from a punitive capitalistic right. people, mindset. People were, yeah, people were not punishing people for being black. People were um, with a, a rehabilitative mindset. People were paid full wages. People were given decent living standards. Unlike, and not, I'm not great. I'm not going to say like gulags were super vacation things. No, people died in gulags. But, we get it. But not like the level of, of American prisons. No, I would still, if you gun, gun to yeah. anyone's head, you show them full facts, the gulag system or the American prison system, you pick yep. a gulag every single time. Yeah. Yeah. That said, um, the the biggest battle for in prison abolition is not against prison labor, which is something like you kind of figure out over time when you care about prison abolition. It's it's the horrible conditions, it's the solitary confinement, you know, things like that. Where the prison labor, there's a reason they want to go out and and, and the prison labor can be technically voluntary, even though it's bad working conditions and they're underpaid, is because compared to being stuck in that cage, it's yeah. it's something much much better. So when we say that prison is the new slavery, we mean prison is the new slavery as in that kind of humanism that kind of rights that you know they took these black codes and they put them on people and oh while they're at it we threw them in cages and oh while they're at it they get the privilege of working for a dollar a day in shitty conditions and it's the same thing too because again it does it we talked we've talked about it throughout here they didn't care whether these policies impacted all blacks Yep. Or 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 whether or they they were willing to let token tokenism rule, but they were they were yep. they were willing to catch poor whites up in the in the mix just as well to accomplish their means, which is the same thing in the prison system. Yeah, is the entire prison system all populated with people of color? No, no but it's, but it's overwhelmingly, mm-hmm. and it's and and if they catch up some poor whites in the process, well, fuck it. They're you know I'd rather have a a, a loyal Negro than a disloyal white man, as they yeah. said. You yeah. know, it's fucking it's the same mindset. Just it's, it's the ten percent plan with cages. Uh, the ten percent plan. God damn! I'm gonna start instituting that in my workplace, guys. All right, we're doing a vote. We're going on the. We're going on the ten percent plan. It, it was good enough for Lincoln. You got a picture of him up in the office. If it's good enough for Lincoln, it's good enough for this. Oh man. The Freedmen, with strong backing from the Freedmen's Bureau, rejected gang labor work patterns that had been used in slavery. Instead of gang labor, free people preferred family-based labor groups. Makes sense. They forced planters to bargain for their labor. Such bargaining soon led to the establishment of the system of sharecropping, which gave the Freedmen greater economic independence and social autonomy than gang labor. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, However, because they lacked capital... And the planters continued to own the means of production, tools, draft animals, and land. The freedmen were forced into producing cash crops, mainly cotton, for the landowners and merchants, and they entered into a cropling system. It's almost like the fucking me, your relationship to the means of production is what determines it. Yes, yes. And you're noticing this, too. And this is where we say, you know, it's not it's not just a class thing. You've got to see race as, as class is is. 
the overwhelming majority of, of poor blacks were driven into the sharecropping and their relationship of the means of production is 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 different. It's much more feudal than even, you know, the, the bourgeoisie. It's a peasant's relation to the means of production, yeah. essentially. And, and for the record, there are some things in here that I have edited, such as calling Lincoln a uh, liberal asshole. Um, that part? No. That's a straight copy-paste. That is straight out of just a, the, the history text we were working off of on this one. Um, or a Wikipedia article, whatever I was using at the time to condense it. Like, that. that is, that is, that is fucking bougie historians acknowledging the capital, the relation to capital. Because they're so yeah. willing to do it in the past. Like, as long as it, oh, they don't sure. have to as long as they don't have to indict mod, the, it in the modern system they'll they'll acknowledge where it was right and when it when it was absolutely applicable i mean bougie liberals a lot of times will acknowledge that like pinochet was a fascist that was cooted by the united states but they won't acknowledge us doing it now you know i mean it it's it's usually you know bougie liberals that sounds like max past. boot that sounds like max boot yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's i mean bougie liberals are always fine with acknowledging shit in the past we used to be racist we used to be <laughs> sexist and then we had the civil rights movement and it all got cured oh the yeah. the the fbi used to, to murder people in COINTELPRO and the CIA used to topple governments and it totally doesn't do it now. No, I mean, no, now. no. The robber barons aren't here anymore, so there's no monopolies. <laughs> we don't call them that, so it's not that. That's right. Did you, it's not a depression anymore. They're all recessions now. <laughs> we changed the definition. Widespread poverty, disruption to an agricultural economy too dependent on cotton and the falling price of cotton led within decades to routine indebtedness of the majority of the freedmen and the poverty of many planters. Mm-hmm. Fun. Northern officials gave varying reports on the conditions of the freedmen in the South. One harsh assessment came from Carl Schurz, who reported on the situation in the states along the Gulf Coast, which we all know, again, to be a bastion of uh, ooh, yeah, fun. Yeah. His report documented dozens of extrajudicial killings and claimed that hundreds and thousands of African-Americans had been killed. Mm. The number of murders and assaults perpetrated upon Negroes is very great. We can form only an approximate estimate of what is going on in these parts of the South, which are not closely garrisoned, from which with no regular reports are received, by what occurs under the very eyes of our military authorities. As to my personal experience, I will only mention that during my two-day sojourn at Atlanta, one Negro was stabbed with fatal effect on the street, three were poisoned, one of whom died. While I was at Montgomery, one Negro was cut across the throat, evidently with the intent to kill, and another was shot but both escaped with their lives. Several papers attached to this report give an account of the number of capital cases that occurred at certain places during a certain period of time. It is a sad fact that the perpetration of those acts is not confined to that class of people, which might be called the rabble. So one, I just love that they're insinuating. And guys, it's not just the rednecks doing it. Yeah. The well-to-do whites are at it as well, which, uh, again, that 1911 East St. Louis riot or 1917 East St. Louis riot was that was another one of the stark things about it. Yeah, um, it these a- these like what I just read about people getting slashed and poisoned and killed like that's for, for nothing. context. Nothing. nothing that that is that is rated G. That is Bambi level shit compared to what Du Bois was writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the love the the. The concept that it was well to do, just like housewives and and kids and stuff like that out here, just yeah. rioting it up. I mean, again, there is no, yeah, I mean, there is you, no level that this doesn't permeate that that culture, white mm-hmm. white supremacist culture. And I'm not going to say it's limited to the South. It just is 
it's more extreme in the South because of the material conditions. Yes, and the, and the yeah. history and we, we yeah. which we've established again there. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. You can trace it in a, in a linear time passage. Yes, but it certainly was not limited to the South in any no. way. Nope, nope, nope. The report included sworn testimony from soldiers and officials of the Freedmen's Bureau in Selma, Alabama. Major J.P. Houston noted that whites who killed twelve African Americans in his district never came to trial. Many more killings never became official cases. Captain Poyon described white patrols in southwestern Alabama. Uh, soldiers who board some of the boats, after the boats they leave, they hang, shoot, or drown the victims they may find on them. And all of those found on the roads or coming down the rivers are almost invariably murdered. The bewildered and, test- and terrified freemen know not what to do. To leave his death, to remain is to suffer the increased burden opposed upon them by the cruel taskmaster, whose only interest is their labor, wrung from them by every device an inhuman ingenuity can devise. Hence, the lash and murder is resorted to to intimidate those whom fear of an awful death alone caused to remain. While patrols, Negro dogs, and spies disguised as Yankees keep constant guard over these unfortunate people. No, guys, slavery's over. It's all good now. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good now. It's, done. it's all fine. It's done. Much of the violence that was perpetrated against African-Americans was shaped by gender prejudices regarding African-Americans. Black women were in particularly vulnerable situations. To convict a white man of sexually assaulting black women in this period was almost impossible. The South's judicial system had been wholly refigured to make one of its primary purposes the coercion of African-Americans to comply with the social customs and labor demands of whites. It's almost like the entire prison system is that now. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Trials were discouraged, and attorneys for black misdemeanor defendants were almost impossible to find. The goal of county courts was a fast, uncomplicated trial with a resulting conviction. Most blacks were unable to pay their fine or bail, and the most common penalty was nine months to a year in a slave mine or lumber camp. Hey, we got a slavery back. Yep. The South judicial system was rigged to generate fees and claim bounties not to ensure public protection. You could literally control F South and replace Ferguson, Missouri, 2005. <laughs> And it would have just two thousand. I mean, it, exact same thing. Yeah, exact same thing. Yeah. We, we absolutely have debtor prisons now, and it's a fucking joke. Um, black women were socially perceived as sexually avaricious, and since they were portrayed as having little virtue, society uh, held that they could not be raped. Mm, that's that's always good to hear. And then yeah. it's it's fun. that must be reassuring as a black woman to know sure. you can't be raped. Sure, yeah, no, that's that, no, no way that opens a door Great. to awfulness. No, 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 no. Your your husbands and sons are being lynched, and you can't be raped. Yeah, yeah. no, good, uh-huh. times. good times, good times, good times. One report indicates two freed women, Frances Thompson and Lucy Smith, described their violent sexual assault during the Memphis riots of 1866. Uh, I choose not to read those. Yeah. However, yeah, black women were vulnerable even in times of relative normalcy. Sexual assaults on African-American women were so pervasive, particularly on the part of their white employers, that black men sought to reduce the contact between white males and black females by having the women in their family avoid doing work that was closely overseen by whites. Again, which of the... Yeah, wasn't I mean, the stereotype that black men were the ones that we had to be worried about doing <laughs> all the right? And you literally are in, in, in work environments having to keep white men separate from black women because they're them, yeah. so likely to, like, yeah. come the fuck on. Yeah. Black men were construed as being extremely sexually aggressive, and their supposed or rumored threats to white women were often used as a pretext for lynching or castrations. <sighs> I'm getting sad again. Yeah. This is fun. This is good. It's a good show. We do good stuff and fun things. God. <laughs> fucking damn it. Um. Yep. During the fall, 
1865, out of response to the black coat and worrisome signs of Southern recalcitrance, the radical Republicans blocked the readmission of the former rebellious states to Congress. Johnson, however, was content with allowing the former Confederate states into the Union as long as their state governments adopted the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery. So basically the bare fucking minimum. Mm -hmm. By December 6th, 1865, the amendment was ratified and Johnson considered Reconstruction over. Yeah, it's clean up, yeah, guys. We got it. Uh, we got the we got the amendment. The, the, yeah, that's good. The it's good. Constitution. Things man. are fine. It's the Constitution. Johnson was following the moderate Lincoln presidential reconstruction policy to get states readmitted as soon as possible. Congress, however, controlled by the radicals, had other plans. The radicals were led by Charles Sumner, boom, and the Senate and Thaddeus Stevens in the House of Representatives. Congress, on December 4th, 1865, rejected Johnson's moderate presidential reconstruction and organized a joint committee on reconstruction. It was a 15-member panel to devise reconstruction requirements for southern states to be restored. In January 1866, Congress renewed the Freedmen's Bureau. However, Johnson vetoed the Freedmen's Bureau Bill in February of 1866, for some reason. Although Johnson had sympathy for the plight of the freedmen, he was against federal assistance. So, mm, you know. Yeah, sounds like know. a lot of sympathy. Uh-huh. I yeah. feel for you, I just don't, I don't think this is the right time. Yeah. An attempt to override the veto failed on February 20th. This veto shocked congressional radicals. In response, both the Senate and the House passed a joint resolution not to allow any senator or representative seat admittance until Congress decides when Reconstruction was finished. Senator Lynn Trumbull of Illinois, leader of the moderate Republicans, took a front to the Black Codes. He proposed the first Civil Rights Act because the abolition of slavery was empty if laws are to be enacted and enforced depriving persons of African descent of privileges which are essential to free men. A law does not allow a colored person to go from one country to another, and one that does not allow him to hold property, to teach, to preach, are certainly laws in violation of the rights of a free man. The purpose of this bill is to destroy all these discriminations. I mean, okay. All right, okay. dude. You're a moderate Republican. That's like a moderate Dem. You came up with a good thing. All right. Yeah. Apparently it happens. I'm okay with it. Yep. The key to the bill was the opening section. All persons born in the United States are hereby declared to be citizens of the United States, and such citizens of every race and color, without regard to any previous condition of slavery, shall have the same right in every state to make and enforce contracts, to sue, be parties, give evidence, to inherit, purchase, lease, sell, hold, convey real and personal property, and full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of person and property as is enjoyed by white citizens and shall be subject to like punishment, pains, and penalties and to none other any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom to the contrary, notwithstanding. So that whole like birthright citizenship thing. Yeah. Hey, it's right here. Yeah, there you go. The bill did not give freedmen the right to vote. Cool. Congress quickly passed it. The Senate on February 2nd voted 33 to 12. The House on March 13th voted 111 to 38. Although strongly urged by moderate Republicans in Congress to sign the Civil Rights Bill, Johnson broke decisively and vetoed it, because of course he did. His veto message objected to the measure because it conferred citizenship on the freedmen at a time when 11 out of 36 states were unrepresented and attempted to fix by federal law a perfect equality of the white and black races in every state of the Union. I, honest to God, don't know what the fuck that means. I don't. I don't know what you. So your argument is is because eleven of because the states that that because that everybody left, didn't participate. Yeah. Because some of them are kicked out because they did a coup. Um, the, we can't pass laws. Yeah. It's it's no. It's it's a heap of shit. It's and heap. then it was like, oh, we don't want to enforce things on the federal level. You're a fucking federal government. You enforce everything That's on your a federal job. level. <laughs> it was a straw. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> 
Johnson said it was an invasion by federal authority of the rights of the states. Mm. Mm. It had no warrant in the Constitution. It was contrary to all precedents. It was a stride toward centralization and the concentration of legislative power in the national government. I oh, played with centralization. Oh, goody. Yeah, I'm about to say. Guys, yeah. hey. Hey, for anyone who... who Authoritarianism is good. Yeah, anyone who doesn't like uh, centralization or, or thinks we're going to fix shit in this goddamn country without it, here. Here is your fucking example. Yeah, yeah. States' rights are great. The Democratic Party proclaiming itself the party of white men. Woo-hoo-hoo! That's a bold stance. See how that works out for you. Uh, supported Johnson. No, duh. However, the Republicans of Congress overrode his veto. The Senate by a close vote. House not so much. And the Civil Rights Bill became law. Congress also passed a Watertown Freedmen's Bureau bill. Johnson voted it, vetoed it as he did the previous one. However, once again, Congress had enough uh, votes to say, fuck you, you don't count. <laughs> the last moderate proposal was the 14th Amendment, whose principal drafter was Representative John Bingington. Bingham. It was designed to put the key provisions of the Civil Rights Act into the Constitution, but it went much further. It extended citizenship to everyone born in the United States, except visitors and Indians on reservations, because nope, nope, <laughs> even now, nope, <laughs> fuck you, god damn it, I hate America so fucking much, why, 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 why? Penalized states that didn't give the vote to freedmen, and most importantly, created new federal civil rights that could be protected by federal courts. Guaranteed the federal war debt would be paid, and promised the Confederate debt would never be paid. It's weird. Oh, that you won't pay the Confederates. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. yeah, we're not paying your war debt yeah, for no, succeeding. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a valid point. Yeah. Johnson used his influence to block the amendment in the states since three-fourths of the states were required to, for ratification. The amendment was later ratified. Uh, the moderate effort to compromise with Johnson had failed. It's weird. It's almost like that's a bad decision. And a political fight broke out between the Republicans, both radical and moderate on one side, and on the other side, Johnson and his allies in the racist, I mean Democratic Party in the North. And the Conservative groupings, which use different names in each southern state. Concerned that President Johnson viewed Congress as an illegal body, mm, again, a thing that comes up quite a bit, Yeah, uh, and wanted to overthrow the government. Again, they are the government. Well, they want to overthrow themselves? What are we talking about? Republicans in Congress took control of Reconstruction policies after the election of 1866. Johnson ignored the policy mandate, and he openly encouraged Southern states to deny ratification of the 14th Amendment. Except for Tennessee, all Confederate states did refuse to ratify, as did the border states of Delaware, Maryland, and Kentucky. Radical Republicans in Congress, led by Stevens and Sumner, opened the way to suffrage for male freemen. They were generally in control, although they had to compromise with moderate Republicans. The Democrats in Congress had almost no power. Historians refer to this period as radical reconstruction or congressional reconstruction. The business spokesmen in the North generally opposed radical proposals, because of course they do. Analysis of 34 major business newspapers showed that 12 discussed politics and only one Iron Age supported radicalism. Because, of course, it does. It has a badass metal name. <laughs> yeah, no Come kidding. on now. The other 11 opposed a harsh, quote-unquote, reconstruction policy, favored the speedy return of the southern states to congressional representation, opposed legislation designed to protect the freedmen, and deplored the impeachment of President Andrew Johnson, which would be the equivalent of Forbes coming out and hand-wringing over impeachment of Trump. I yeah. mean, which, oh, yeah, come on, it's the yeah. same fucking thing. The South's white leaders who held power in the immediate era before the vote was granted to the freedmen uh, renounced secession and slavery, but not white supremacy. <laughs> that sentence is so, so wild. 
So wild. People who had previously held power were angered in 1867 when new elections were held. New Republican lawmakers were elected by a coalition of white unionists, freedmen, and northerners who had settled in the South. Some leaders in the South tried to accommodate new conditions. Three constitutional amendments, known as the Reconstruction Amendments, were adopted. The 13th abolished slavery. That was 1865. 14th was proposed in 1866 and ratified in 88 or 68, guaranteeing United States citizenship to all people born and naturalized in the United States. Again, birthright citizenship. The 15th Amendment, proposed in late 1869, passed in early uh, 1870, decreed the right to vote could not be denied because of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Left unaffected was that states could still determine voter registration and electoral laws. So it's meaningless. <laughs> Absolutely toothless. You fucking cowards. <sighs> uh, the amendments were directed at ending slavery and providing full citizenship to freedmen. Northern congressmen believed that providing black men with the right to vote would be the most rapid means of political education and training. I mean, that's not a bad no, sentence, but yeah. I mean, the concept that voting in and of itself is some sort of education is kind of wild. Because sure. my ability to go in and click a box does not in and of itself educate me in anything. No, no. But okay, whatever. At least fair enough, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that kind of gets us to the next part, which is, you know, all right, so what was the African-American involvement now? What were the freedmen, what were the freedmen's involvement in politics in Reconstruction and how sure. was that viewed? Um, and these are all topics that we're going to take up next week here <laughs> on this podcast it's called Mark's Madness. Yeah. I desperately need a drink. Holy shit. Um, okay, so housekeeping. Uh, nothing has happened because we are recording these back to back. So that being said, if you want to uh, talk to us, you can send us a direct email at marksmadnesspod uh, at gmail.com. That's marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at marksmadnesspod. Uh, on Twitter, uh, you can you can totally just you know tweet stuff into the ether. We'll be there. Yeah. Um, if you want to have a dialogue, the easiest way to do that is in Discord. Unless of course you want to get a hold of David, in which case one of these days I will tie him down and force him to fucking learn Discord and get involved in it. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I'm the one that's usually running Discord. So if you want to talk to my stupid ass, you're more than welcome to on Discord, and then I'll ask David questions for you. Um, that's how we're going to do that. Um, sure. if you want to be, uh, uh, helpful, um, we don't want, uh, we don't do money. We don't do Patreon. We don't do any of that kind of no, nonsense. No. Uh, we support people that, that do or need it. That's totally your call, but we don't, uh, five star review. That is the thing you can do. Yes. Um, not a four star review. What are you doing? Four star review people. I, I see. I, I, five. Five. All the five. Five's the number. Yes. Um, to the one star review person who could not decide what was worse, our knowledge of history or our personalities, um, I'm not sure. But uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy I'll, I'll take hate listeners as much as anything else. I don't give a shit. You're not paying me. Um, so that being said, this is Mark's Madness. My name's Nathan. My name's David. See you next week. Bye. Bye.